never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Nasty podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. So I'm going to put a poster on the website, uh, and it's going to and it's for the film we're going to talk about tonight, Abducted from 1973, an American exploitation film. But the poster is for it under a different title, Schoolgirls in Chains, and underneath that phrase on the poster is their diplomas were signed in blood, bloods in red. And you've got a picture of a, it looks like a pulp uh, book cover from the, you know, the 1950s. You've got a young girl, well, young teenager, with a, a, a blouse ripped open, showing a, a fair amount of boobage. And a, uh, a chain around her neck being held by what looks like a hillbilly. On the stairs in the corner is a, a silhouette of a, a bulkier man grabbing a woman, no doubt to pull her down the stairs. It's aimed, it's the cover actually of uh, the US version, world premiere, home video version of this film, and it promises that it is also in colour as well. Schoolgirls in Chains, therefore, feels incredibly exploitative. I mean, how, how the hell did this get released? Hang on, but there's something in the corner. A little square, an R rating. In actual fact, despite its rather dodgy way it's being sold, Schoolgirls in Chains, and as and indeed, as it was called, abducted, no doubt to avoid this kind of furore, you could bring your kids to it. Only the sweet ones, only the young ones will do. Silence is the sound of madness. Kidnapped from reality. Hi. Schoolgirls in chains. Imprisoned in a cellar of terror. We're being used as toys or playmates. Subjected to the twisted and tormented needs of two insane brothers. Die to the door, John. Don't you move. Don't you move. There is no escape. Take off all your clothes and I'll examine you. John, listen, why, why don't we play custom overs, okay? No, I want to okay. operate. <laughs> no, John! Sexual fantasies become the nightmares of reality as they feed their insatiable appetite. <laughs> How long are you going to keep us here? I don't know! What are they going to do with us? You'll see. Why do you meet Mama? A madhouse. Yet in these rooms, Still another lives and waits. Let me go, Frank. 
go back to the cellar, Frank. I promise no. you. No! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! Mother's going to keep you in the cellar. Don't you think it's about time I met your mother? Abducted, violated, and the worst was yet to come. Schoolgirls in chains. Okay, so, the story is about two mentally ill brothers. Um... Frank and John Bar- uh, Burrows. Now they live in a farmhouse on the outskirts of town in America. And they um, are people with a, a slight, slight problem in their lives. They have uh, evidently been heavily influenced from their childhood days through to their now adult life and have become uh, crazed. Indeed, they uh, kidnap young girls, chain them up, and can and keep them in their their, their basement, um, and then subject them subject them to um, either um, rougher. Um, well, in the case of uh, our man uh, Frank, he, he he rapes one of the girls. But with uh, with John, he uh, he plays kind of like overly sexualized versions of childhood games so doctors and nurses and that kind of thing and um, there's also a a concern that obviously takes these games far too far and you know uses pharmaceutical drugs that possibly doesn't understand what the impact could be and and real syringes the story therefore is about in in the main part the relationship between the two sons and their mother the relation between the two sons and, and the unfortunate women have been captured in the basement. And the um, and what happens is obviously all these relationships slowly un- unravel, obviously more quickly than others. The first thing I'd say about um, Abducted is that it is a, a more interesting and probably better shot film than you would expect. And the reason for that falls entirely on the the, the the face of one man, really. Well, that's not fair. Let's, let's give uh, the director credit. But certainly it was shot well uh, by Ronald Victor Garcia. Now, Garcia himself might not be that famous. He becomes, uh, He's actually famous for uh, 70s, or gets into the business, and becomes quite big in the 70s horror and exploitation. In particular, The Toy Box, which is a film we'll talk about in the future. And he's worked a lot on television, which is why, you know, he's probably a little better known working on things like Hawaii Five-O and Gilmore Girls. He actually was um, the cinematographer for the David Lynch um, directed Twin Peaks pilot films at the uh, that start that long hour and a half uh, pilot for the original series, and then went on again to be a uh, a director of cinematography for Firewalk with Me, the kind of what was originally the, the closing film to, to, to the Twin Peaks saga before obviously went on to do season three. And I think that can be seen in, in the shots, early doors, when uh, although the film has some uh, fairly obvious and quite flat um, shot moments, uh, particularly around some of the nastier stuff, when it just kind of, you know, obviously the focus is on making sure everyone's okay when they kind of do the, do the shooting, and they pointed out the, the focus was far more on the actors. There are some very exciting tracking shots of, of, of cars racing through the streets. There's a, a scene early doors, which is quite shocking, involving a train and, and one of the girls who tries to run away. Um, 
and uh, that is that is very well framed. The film itself, although it, despite its grimy grindhouse uh, feel, actually has quite a, uh, quite an impressive look. It's definitely low budget, but the uh, the work of Garcia elevates the shots. That isn't to say this film isn't. You know, a, a slow move and sex exploitation film with uh, that's been you know neutered by the fact that it obviously wants an R rating, so it can be distributed far wider. However, it does mean that um, you are, you know you're not stuck with a movie that looks just god awful, and you know you can't actually admire some of the 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 efforts that have gone into making it. The work is very much um, the child of a guy called Don Jones. Now, Donald Jones was born in Philadelphia, raised in a Pennsylvania farm and attended, um, you know, got some grades. And then off he went to the army, he became a professional boxer briefly and then decided that he wanted to work in the films and moved to California in the late 60s. He started off um, in a kind of almost uh, singing in the rain style, working on uh, as, as a stuntman to try and kind of, you know, carve himself out a living. However, these small roles and being willing to do silly stunts wasn't enough to, to uh, kind of pay enough money and he wasn't getting enough work. Uh, so he, he kind of moved behind the camera and started to work in sound. This interest and uh, managed that he got into a position to get a bit of money together to make a couple of films. This one, Schoolgirls and Change from 1973, and The Forest, which uh, tried to... Um, one of many, many slasher movies that tried to make cash out of the slasher boom in the early 80s. Uh, the Forest is a um, light-touch, um, silly slasher film uh, rather than some of the more gory or offensive uh, efforts. But he worked where he could. So his, uh, you look at his, uh, his bibliography and there's a number of... Um, a, mix, a real mix of stuff, so... He works on this, and he works on The Love Butcher as well, which is a film we'll get to um, in the future uh, as part of this list, The Forest. And um, he also works in things like, you know, um, various documentaries, Discovery, Docos, um, Boom Operators, you know, the, the kind of things that you'd be thinking, so, well, he's obviously, you know, he's, he, he's looked for work, basically. A fair play to him for that. As well as Don Jones, we've got um, Gary Kent, who um, kind of is one of the, the more linchpin elements in terms of the making of the film. Kent uh, plays our big, brutish, bad guy, basically, um, Frank. And you can, when you see him on screen, you can kind of see why and kind of see, you know, you, you almost wonder how he, you know, he's got into the position to be in these grindhouse films, but... Because he looks more like a very traditional kind of like the kind of guy working cowboy movies, really. In truth, possibly would have done if he'd been ten years if he'd been born ten years earlier. But he moved into Hollywood in nineteen fifty nine and worked almost entirely in driving movies throughout that time. He also performed TV stunts and things like The Green Hornet and Man from Uncle. He's been in a lot of stuff, effectively, either working as a, you know, a a body double. For um, not body, but a stunt double for Jack Nicholson for some of the early stuff like um, Hell's Angels on Wheels or The Savage Seven, or um, working in films such as like the the um, 
return of Count Yorga. His last movie was actually um, working in uh, Boba Hotep, the uh, that uh, that cult film from uh, Don Coscarelli. Which, funny enough, again, we'll get to some of his films um, on this on this list as well. Uh, Phantasms in there, but he retired after that because of uh, because after working on that film. Um, and indeed, there's a documentary about where he appears in called Love and Other Stunts as well, which came out I think last year. Um, which looks very much at him as a you know work you know a, a stunt guy that worked through you know the crazy time of stunt mate filmmaking. So you've got this quite strong, robust character, and also the 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 the, the awkward um, psychosexual relationship that he has with his mother. And next to that is the far more childlike uh, character of um, the John Parker plays. Uh, playing John again, but John Barrows in this case, um, who's, to be honest with you, kind of a classic weedy um, hillbilly type that, you know, wants to play games with the girls. It's all a bit sleazy, but this kind of like childlike quality, which is very um, hard going. I think for me, the thing about School Girls in Chains is it's very clear that because there's quite a lot of money on the line, they definitely want to be able to get it in as many drive-ins as possible. This is the Corman school of stuff, so you can try and you can sell it as much as you want as being you know grimy and exploitative, but at the same time you still need to be able to at least for an American market have an R rating so you can advertise it in the flipping uh, in the newspapers. So the scene with Ginger is one of the characters, a character played by. Um, Suzanne Lund in her only um, film appearance. Um, she wrote to cast by Frank. Apparently, this was cut by a quite a considerable amount by thirty seconds to just to get get to avoid that X rating. Now, if that's the only thing that's stopping you getting that X, that that R rating, then that makes complete sense for me. I think there's no point if you you know if you're going to go extreme, go really extreme. If you're going to go for like an unrated or a, you know an X cut, but um, if you're not. Then why would you, you know, spend all the, you know, why would you, why would you just, for the sake of thirty seconds of rape scene, no one's going to remember <laughs> when they leave. You're probably going to be all right. The film as well um, features the debut uh, performance of um, Mary Lynn Ross, who um, probably is most famous really for Class of 1984. So if you if you see see one of the characters, and you're like, hang on, who's that? Um, yes, Sue. So, was 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 Diana in class of nineteen eighty four? She also appeared in various TV over over that decade long uh, career. So uh, apparently, you know, the, the 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 there was there wasn't a great deal of problems with the the actors together on set, despite the subject matter. Which, to be honest with you, they may sound that's quite surprising, but I don't think it is that 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 surprising. Really, it seems like it was a fairly safe set as well. Uh, the the only real frictions appears to come from Cheryl Waters, who's one of the uh, actresses. Who plays one of the abducted? Say schoolgirls. I blame you, not schoolgirls. Um, who was very keen on trying to stop any nude seeds happening, which obviously is an issue when you're making a uh, exploitation film. Kent uh, is quite. It seems like a warm-hearted guy. There's a, uh, a featurette on the Blu-ray where he, he just seems to be quite friendly and happy. That you know, he he sees the film as being quite artistic, in truth. Whereas Jones is a little bit more dismissive of it, finding it a, a, a harder shoot. And in the end, the film that he found troubling mainly because it it was a you know a he hated how exploitative it was sold in the end. 
which is fair enough, I suppose. You don't want to look like that when you, you know, you make put your heart and soul into a film, and then it's sold as just sleazy trash. That for me, obviously, is you know, isn't that surprising that I would be upset by that? So, what do we have at the end with Schoolgirls in Chains? Abducted, I suppose, is what I should keep on calling it. It's a US title. Abducted. Well, a movie that is um, definitely aiming and trying to be uh, a, a cut above, um, you know, its sle- you know, uh, its sleazy uh, heritage and its its driving attempt. I think for me, this looks like Don desperately trying to show that he's got more to him than uh, necessarily just this this sleazy exploitation thing. Although, obviously, being very aware that he has to deliver on those elements. The relationships between the girls and the men are fairly standard, um, but the relationships between the mother and the men uh, are far more evocative of something like Psycho than of, um, you know, Mother's Day, which would be, you know, the, the nearest thing I could think of as an example, the old trauma movie from the, uh, you know, the late 70s. Indeed, Mother's Day is is kind of where this is should be pitched. But the thing about Mother's Day is it's probably you know, despite the fact that it's less artful, at least does kind of deliver the kind of um, sleaziness that you want. Instead, the sleaziness here is just the general vibe of the content. You know, why would you go and see a film titled this "Girls in Chains"? Well, you'd probably go and see it because you wanted to see, you know, women tied up and abused. And indeed, the the taglines. Including, you know, they were abducted and violated and the worst was yet to come. You know, it, it's fairly clear exactly what this being pitched at is. You know, it's the uh, it's the, the trouser-rubbing Dirty Mac Brigade, which is a shame because Garcia's work is better than that. Jones, although, if I'm being honest, the film is quite slow, but it is early 70s, does kind of give the opportunity to, to, to kind of, it looks good, you know what I mean? It feels like a proper film. And sometimes when you're on this list and when we get to some of the trauma stuff, you'll be like, it's not a proper, you know, is this like a proper movie, you know, or is this just kind of, you know, a, it, how, how, how quickly is this being thrown together, shall we say, rather, you know, how rushed has it been? I think that's probably a better way to put it. Whereas this is a labour of love, although probably quite a strange labour of love. So where can you get it from now? Well, it's been available on DVD and now it's available on Blu-ray in the US. It was released in the UK as a preset uh, in 1982 by Astra. Um, the video was apparently seized um, and there's been no release since. Uh, and obviously, you know, it wasn't uh, prosecuted under Section 2, so it was just a seizure and destruction. Um, so, yeah, so Abducted. Known as Schoolgirls and Chains, Girl, Girls and Chains or Let's Play Dead is relatively easy to get hold of uh, if you if you if you look for it. Um, it's uh, it's available from from America in truth. Um, and you know, although not the best film on this list, if you've not seen it, certainly worth a look. If only for the fantastic you know way it's been sold over the years. Who doesn't love this kind of sleazy exploitation and let's be honest and we're going to talk about you know zombie holocaust at some point which is another classic example of a film that i mean i love zombie holocaust but i know a lot of people don't that it's you know it, it's that grindhouse sales pitch which almost elevates the film beyond its own its own uh, its own its own 
means or its own boundaries. It, you know, and for me, something like this is 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 a, is a highlight of that, and the fact that it's an R, <laughs> it's almost uh, it's almost hilarious. I think if it was out, if it was released in the UK today, it would be an eighteen. It would be an eighteen uncut, but. Um, I don't know if, if anyone's bashing down the door to release this fella in the UK anytime soon. But at the same time, that said, it's still a, you know, a worthy addition to a, a very unusual canon of films. And uh, and I think, you know, um, as I say, the posters alone are worth a look. We were going to be married. What happened? Mama. You didn't like her. She said she wasn't any good. She wanted to meet Mama. So I brought her here. Oh, welcome, my dear. Frank's told me so much about you, I feel I know you. I hope some of it was good. It was all good. Okay, thanks very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so kind of trying to keep it reasonably um, reasonably upbeat early doors. There's, not, there's always interesting things to talk about. Um, abducted, obviously, side more to the sleazy side of stuff, but isn't that sleazy in itself? Next week, uh, we go back to Paul Nashi again. Now, I've spoken about Paul Nashi before, so we're not going to do like the history of that guy. Uh, instead, it's a giallo, but a Spanish one, so that's quite unusual, I think. Well, it is. There's only a few. It's called Blue Eyes for a Broken Doll. It's um, not the best giallo that's on this list, if I'm being honest, but an interesting one and, 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 and some interesting points to highlight to it. As I say, I'm not going to go and do the, the life and times of Paul Nashi again. If you want to listen to that, go and listen to um, The Werewolf and the Yeti because uh, that's all in there. Um, thanks very much for listening. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonastypodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at, at orange underscore monkey, or you can go to the websites videonastiespodcast.com and also thelasthorrorpodcast.com as well. The, the, the web the articles are well the pieces, the, the, the podcasts are, are on both sites. Uh, you, we're also on Stitcher and on Spotify and uh, the iTunes podcast networky thing. So wherever you get podcasts, we should pop up. If we don't, let me know. I know we're not on Google Podcasts at the moment. Uh, you can't still miss me through you in the UK and I haven't got around to setting up a VPN to do that. So, um, hey, fuck Google. Um, so, yeah, next week, a, a, a cool little giallo to talk about. Uh, is it a giallo if it's not, if it's not Italian? Well, we can get into that next week, can't we? Um, so, until then, take care, and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.
Frank belongs to me. Every part of him. What do you mean by that? I mean, we make love. We make love like two lovers. We have since he was 15. <laughs> and I intend to keep him. That's... incest. 